2: I was thinking about that. Some of you may be here and thinking, my world's just falling apart. Well, if your life is in Jesus, it isn't falling apart. He's the superglow that's holding everything together. He's got it together. If he created you, he certainly can sustain you. It's not an issue to him. It's not a big issue. We're to cast our care on him because he cares for us.
0: Everybody has hard times. It's a universal given. The challenge is figuring out how to handle them and what action, if any, to take. Do you give in to despair, get angry, maybe try to figure out a way to put off whatever's happening? Some of the first century Christ followers were in this situation. As Pastor Mark will be teaching today, they had many of the same choices people today have you'll find out the encouragement that the writer of Hebrews gave to his discouraged readers and how you can use it in your life. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter one as he continues his message, God is still speaking.
2: that's what makes us uniquely different in the world of many 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 religions it's jesus christ he's not another prophet he isn't a way to god he is the only way to god and as you go through this you're going to see this very key the best thing we can do in life is simply get people to jesus i can't solve their issues you can't solve their issues You know, when the pastors in this church marry people, God marries them. We don't marry them. We're the human. God makes them one. We can't. And so, we're just agents for Jesus. Now, each one of these seven action points or facts goes to the full deity of Christ. Remember the Hebrews, the original Jewish audience, They were faced with this temptation to abandon and go back to Judaism. So the writer is going to talk about, no, 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 no. Jesus is not just another prophet. He's God. He's deity. And he sets it out right at the start of the letter. So that they can see that what they're doing by placing their faith in Jesus is exactly the right thing. Let's go through these seven. Number one, if you're taking notes... You can take it right out of 2 and 3, but here we go. Jesus is the heir of all things. In other words, he inherits everything. Now, how would you like to be the heir of this person? Bill Gates, richest man all the world. I saw an interview with him a few weeks ago on a night program. I thought it was very interesting. The, The individual said, how do you like being the richest man in all the world? He said, there's no advantage ever to be the richest man in all the world. So at least he's come to that understanding. Now, how'd you like to be the heir to Bill Gates? No problem, man. You'd have it all, right? Well, Jesus Christ is the heir because really, look at Romans 8.17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. The first heir of God is God's Son. And so everything that belongs to God obviously belongs to Jesus Christ. Remember in the book of Revelation, we studied the title deed to the earth, was God's, was Jesus. Well, the whole universe belongs to God and Jesus, and eventually, he'll reign over all of it. So, notice the rest of verse 17, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So, I'm a co-heir. All of us are co-heirs, which means eventually, I get to inherit my father's estate. I'm a co-heir. We're going to enjoy all of the wealth of our Heavenly Father. It's going to be ours. We're going to be able to rule the world. We'll have no needs because we're that individual. We're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So how important is Jesus? Notice, heir comes from relationship, son, family relationship. Here's the deed of God again. He's not just a prophet. He's the Son of God, so he's the heir of God. Number two, Jesus is the creator of everything. Listen to Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language or their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. So, King David knew that God, Jesus, was the creator of everything. Well, the writer of John knew it. Look what it says. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So remember, Jesus, this is very important when we get to spiritual warfare, when we do the book of Ephesians, we'll dwell on that in chapter 6. Jesus is not a created being. He's God. He's always been here. Satan is a created being. and Many times in spiritual warfare, people take Satan and put him on the same level as Jesus or God. No, he's not. God was not created. He's the creator. Satan is a created being. So God is always, obviously, more powerful than something uh, he's created. So, creation, what's that include? Well, it includes mankind, the animals, the heavenly planets, the angels, all things visible, all things invisible. Well, what's invisible? Well, atoms in all neutrons and all these little particles. You know, they're finding all these little particles that you can't ever imagine. And if you look out, you see billions and billions of galaxies. I mean, we're so small. Obviously, is our creator. Obviously, God is superior to anything he's created. Now, who is involved in this creation? This is very important for you. We don't have time to go through it, you can just write it down. But number one, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. Two, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Genesis 1-2. So God the Father, God the Spirit, and we just read God the Son. Actually, Colossians one you see it right there. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. So tonight, Jesus was there at creation. He is the Creator. Now, he created some interesting things. One of the things I think is important is this. He created you and me to know him, to worship him, to serve him, and to enjoy him. You were created to enjoy God. Are you enjoying him? Anybody? Well, sure. We love Serving and worshiping God. So, by the way, you were also created by God, Ephesians 2.10 says, with works to do that he knew before you were even born. The other thing that I think is new is I was thinking about creating. God's still creating today. How many of you in this room have become Christians since the year 2000? Let me see your hands. Look around you. Okay. God created you, what, a new being, a brand new being. Let me read you the scripture. You know it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new, what, creation. The old is gone. Hallelujah. The new has come. Well, what about a new start? Anybody need a new start? Anybody fall off the wagon? Got to get back and start again? I'm glad for new starts, aren't you? I mean, are you kidding me? Well, Isaiah 44, says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. New start. You can have a new start. And then, of course, we sang it tonight, didn't we? Jimmy and Amanda led us. God, is, God wants to create in us a clean heart. Change me on the inside. Change me. Remember? You sang it. wasn't too long ago. Did you have Alzheimer's? You remember it. Okay. Create in me, 51, Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let's just say that together. Create in me a clean heart. Let's say it again. Create in me a clean heart. That's what God wants to do. A heart that's clean. Clean after him. Hard to do in this world, isn't it? Hard to do. Number three. Jesus is the sustainer of the world. Remember A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. God created and sustains the world. There's a group of people today that believe in deism. Deism is the view that God exists, but he's not involved in our world directly. He's like a clockmaker who took a clock, made it, set it on the shelf, wound it up, and said goodbye to it. That's not at all what our God is. He is the sustainer of the world and the people that he created. See, as you think about that, if you look around you, in some ways, it looks like our world's falling apart, isn't it? I mean, it is a mess. And it gets worse by the day. But God has a different viewpoint. He knew this was going to happen. And God's viewpoint tonight is that he has everything perfectly under control. Nothing is happening outside the perfect will of God. Look at Caution 117. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. I was thinking about that. Some of you may be here and thinking, my world's just falling apart. Well, if your life is in Jesus, it isn't falling apart. He's the superglow that's holding everything together. He's got it together. If he created you, he certainly can sustain you. It's not an issue to him. It's not a big issue. We're to cast our care on him because he cares for us. He's not aloof. You might be here and wondering, man, my world's falling apart. This isn't fit and this isn't fit and this isn't fit. Hey, relax. He's the sustainer. Now, of all people, who would think that? Let's see if you knew anything about the introduction I gave you. Who would think that their world was falling apart? The Hebrews. So the writer says he's a sustainer of everything. Whoa. You mean we can trust him? It's going to be all right. Yes. You know the old quote. If your life is okay, then your Bible will be falling apart. If your Bible looks new and perfect, then your life will be falling apart. So now if you got a new Bible, like I got a new Bible, it's okay. My old one is falling apart. Ever remember this song? It's got the whole world in whose hands? His hands. He's got you and me, brother and sister in his hands. He's got the tiny little baby in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Aren't you glad? Aren't you Number four, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Now, this is very important. Again, points out that Jesus is God. Jesus is not a reflector of light. Jesus is light. He's the light of the world. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, we got a little picture of that. Mark 9.3 says his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Because Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, when you come into his presence, you're coming into the bright light, the light. What does light do? It exposes or reveals things as they really are. In the morning when you get up and look in the mirror, you'd rather have looked with the light off. (laughs) Am I right? And when you flip it on, sometimes you and I get scared as we look at what happened during the night to us. Well, as you and I open the Word of God, it reveals who we really are. Some of you tonight, we just said two things. He wants us to have a clean heart. God spoke to some of you, specifically an area that needs to be confessed. That was God. He wants you to be right. Some of you felt like maybe your world's falling apart and God doesn't care. The revealer, the word of God said to you, no, he cares. He's the God who, with one word, heals, casts out demons, took the storm and said, peace, be still. He's a God who cares. So, the other thing is that we need to ask God to have that clean heart. And the way we do that, David the psalmist knew it all too well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Maybe you're very anxious about an area. And God says, relax. Relax, it's okay. Okay. Don't be anxious about everything, but with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And then that peace that passes understanding will be yours. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Number five, Jesus is the exact representation of God. Now that word exact representation refers to the image on a coin. That came from the same die. The die image was reflected exactly on the coin. Jesus is the exact image of God. Of course, it's unlike a coin's picture because God and Jesus are spirit. It simply means that in every way conceivable, Christ exactly represents the Father. Remember, Jesus had two natures. One divine, when he came to earth, he had a human nature. He wasn't half God and half man. He was fully God and fully man. Jesus is the Word. He was God. He is God. He was made flesh. He was made flesh. His divine nature never ever changed. He is not merely a man who had God with him, nor is he a man who manifested the principle of God. He is God, the second person. Of the Trinity. Now, why did Jesus come to this earth? To show us what God was like. That's one of the reasons. So, the exact representation of God, he came to show us exactly what God was like. You remember Philip said this, John 14 Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has, tell me, seen the Father. He's the exact representation of God. Exact. He is God. How can you say, show us the Father? Number six. Jesus is the only purifier of people's sins. Extremely important to know that Jesus is the Creator, sustainer, but how much more important to know this fact He's the sin bearer of the whole world. Amazingly, in order to create the universe, Jesus had to just speak the word, it says. Light, and there was light. Jesus didn't have the clapper. He just said light, and there was light. But, but, in order to maintain and guide the universe, he still just speaks. But when you come to solve men's problem, which is sin, Jesus couldn't speak sin away. He had to come and be the purifier because he had to die on Calvary. Jesus became a sin and trespass offering for you and for me. Remember, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. We know that Revelation thirteen eight, he was slain from the foundation of the world. How important for them not to go back into Judaism. They had no covering for their sin. The high priest had no place to go in Rome. There wasn't the offerings for sin in the Jewish area anymore. The temple was in Jerusalem. It was about to be destroyed. So they would go back to, as the Jews do today, if you try to keep the law, do the best you can, self-righteousness gets you to heaven. Self-righteousness could never get us to heaven. Remember, the law only was temporary until Christ came. Now, look at Hebrews 1.3 right at the end. And this is our seventh one. After he provided purifications for sin, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty or of God in heaven. Number seven, Jesus is the ruler and king over everything. This is very important. Notice, he sat down. So Jesus has sat down. He's seated in heaven. Why is he seated? Because it is finished. Do you remember in the Old Testament? Once a year, the high priest would go into the holies of holies. And he would offer a sacrifice But the sacrifice, number one, was never complete. Next year, he'd have to go in what? Again, and again, and again. And by the way, if you look at the furniture in the Holies of Holies, there's no seat in the Holies of holy. Why? He never sat down. In fact, you know, he had these little bells on the bottom. And they would ring. Hopefully, he's still alive. If not, they'd have to pull him out. Jesus is seated. At the right hand of the Father, it is finished once and for all. means a lot to us. How much would it mean to the Jews? See, he was better than the high priest. He is the high priest and the king. Now he's seated. What's he doing at the right hand of the Father? He's interceding for you and for me. Do I need interceding? Ask your spouse. Do you need interceding? He's praying for me. Are you glad he's praying for you? Hallelujah. He's still interested. He's still changing us. The last verse I want to leave you with is this. When Jesus was on that Mount of Transfiguration, the Father spoke. Look what he said. When he was still speaking, it brought cloud enveloped, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Here we are. Listen to him.
0: In today's message, Pastor Mark taught why Jesus is superior to all other heavenly beings. You learned that Jesus is uniquely the Son of God, not a created being of any type. You also found out about your new relationship with God and Jesus. Pastor Mark taught that the Bible calls you a co-heir with Jesus, which means that you get to inherit everything that God owns. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This wraps up Pastor Mark's message, God is Still Speaking. Next time, he'll begin a new message called Jesus Better Than Angels. You'll hear about the confusion or deliberate misinformation many world religions and pseudo-Christian cults have regarding the deity of Jesus. You'll learn how to spot those attempts at deception. and To find out more about who Jesus really is, You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right.
1: in a